Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from Western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. They have taken you from the Imperial City's prison, first by carriage and now by boat, to the east, to Morrowind. Fear not, for I am watchful. You have been chosen. Wake up. We're here. Why are you shaking? Are you okay? Wake up. Stand up. There you go. You were dreaming. What's your name? Well, not even last night's storm could wake you. I've heard them say we've reached Morrowind. I'm sure they'll let us go. Why? Here comes the guard. Class is in session, and today we're heading back to the world of Elder Scrolls. As always, I'm your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming to the university the Australian form of myself, former Dual Shockers, brother in arms. My trails of companion, the wonderful Chris Cornelius. How's it going, Chris? It is going well. Thank you, Scott. How are things with you? Been good. Just been diving in. Uh, it's been a very busy first, first like three months of 2022 uh, in terms of games to play. And we're neck. We're both. We were talking a little bit before the show of our newfound love for Elden Ring, but uh, doing well, yeah. doing well. Just surviving. That's the best we can really do in this day yeah. and age, isn't it? No kidding. No kidding. I wonder if we'll get an Elden Ring 2 before World War 3. But who knows? But who knows? But well, yes, we can hope. On sunnier, brighter notes, we are here to talk about Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind today. Initially released back in 2002. Um, in It first released on PCs in North America, released on May 2nd, 2002, followed the next day in Europe on May 2nd. But it was also a big Xbox exclusive title, original Xbox, um, which released a month later on June 6th, 2002, and in Europe on November 22nd, 2002. 2002 was a pretty heavy year with a bunch of games. We got ourselves GTA Vice City. Splinter Cell, the original Splinter Cell, both Metroid Prime and Fusion, Sly Cooper, Warcraft 3, Star Wars, Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Outcast, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, the GameCube remake of Resident Evil and Resident Evil Zero, its prequel. We got the original Kingdom Hearts. We got Castlevania, Harmony of Dissonance, and Game of the Decade, BMX Triple X. Pretty happy to get that one. Yeah. And Ratchet and Clank, uh, the first Ratchet and Clank, I believe, also came out this year as well. But uh, heavy year, 2002. Yeah, it was a good one. And Marwin kind of slotted in there. Didn't really get quite as much attention at first, I think, mainly because it was predominantly a PC thing and consoles were kind of picking up in this era. Yeah, and this, I mean, even Western RPGs weren't as big, I, I would say, back then. Um and the fact that this was coming not only to console, but also exclusively to the original Xbox, I remember being a fairly big deal. 
Yeah, it was almost like the uh, the answer to Sony's general stranglehold on JRPGs at the time, yeah. I would say. It really was. Um, but uh, before we dive into Morrowind, any of these other games that came out uh, in 2002, did you spend a lot of time with? Uh, I did play a fair few of them, uh, either at the time or afterwards. I did have a GameCube, so I played a lot of Zelda. Uh, I mm-hmm. was a big fan of Metroid Prime, especially Metroid Fusion. Um, I didn't really play that much GTA Vice City, but that was everything everyone else played. And <laughs> yeah, mostly Warcraft 3 uh, of all of them was probably the one that I spent the most time with. And even that never really took off in my heart as much as StarCraft did. So yeah, yeah. I was always more of a StarCraft uh, player myself. Uh, what race did you play? To side tangent, but that's what this is about. Oh, yeah, Zerg. Absolutely Zerg. Oh, uh, I was Protoss. I was a Toss player. I didn't like you. I didn't like Zerg, Zerg players. Yeah, no, no <laughs> that, that's that's the correct response to us. Zergling Rush. I, I remember the old Zergling Rush and, and everything, but uh, I miss good StarCraft. Yeah. I miss good StarCraft. Yeah. Food War. Yeah. One of the best games ever made. That's good. It was damn good. It was damn good. But another amazing game that you you say is your favorite game of all time, a little game called Morrowind, in the reason we're here. So uh tell me, Chris, like when did you kind of dive into Morrowind? So uh it was about that time. It, I was early, I was a couple of years into high school at that point, and I had cut my teeth on the first two Baldur's Gate games. So I had a taste for CRPGs and such. But then a friend of mine basically loaned me the copy of it. I didn't know what it was. He just said, here, do this, and gave me a couple of basic beginner tips, just like go, you know, follow this path, mm-hmm. go to this thing, watch the guy fall from the sky, <laughs> pick up the stuff from his body, etc. And I'm like, oh, okay, sure, whatever. And I had no idea what it was going in. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it didn't know it was going to be first person or anything like that. And I got in, and I stayed in. <laughs> 20 years later i there's part of me still there in vardenfell it's it's nuts yeah uh for me i this is admittedly this was always the game that i wanted to get for xbox because growing up i was we let's see that's i would have been in high school so i would have been probably a freshman i would have been a freshman in uh high school at this point and my brother He's the one that had the Xbox and I had the PS2 Um, and we were kind of segmented in a way we didn't we didn't quite get along when we were younger. So um, plus he was off at college and stuff, so I didn't get uh, the really any real experience or time with the Xbox or let alone be able to buy my own games to play on it. Um, But I always remember seeing Morrowind and like, oh, that looks so cool and not really being able to play it then. Um, later on, I would be able to, I picked it up off of steam and stuff and, uh, dabbled in it there, but I've never been able to sink as much time as I really want to in this game. And even now it's like, I really want to just dive into Morrowind. Cause like you said, it's like, and we'll get to this later. Other, what other memories and moments people sent in for the show, but there's just so much to this game. <laughs> Yeah, there is nothing else quite like it, uh, even to this day, even with two sequels, technically. Uh, Morrowind stands apart, and there's a reason it's my favorite. Uh, just 
there is something about the world, the way this world is constructed and written and designed, the exoticism, the sheer alien surreal nature of it. Mm-hmm. Just it's yeah, there's no other place like it. And this game had like this game didn't hold your hand. I remember that. Like I remember getting off the ship, making my character, exploring a bit, seeing the guy from fall from the sky, of course. And then like dying a lot like like even early on but this game really didn't hold your hand and i appreciate it for it at least from what i recall i might be wrong well no you're you're mostly correct uh you're given a couple of tips and such but you are still uh, just allowed to be let loose you you're given your first mission as it was and that will serve as a good guideline both to the main quest and some of the various guilds and getting you know basically learning the ropes but mm-hmm. uh, but it is also completely okay if you're just going yeah okay but i'm going this way and then just disappearing for 30 hours <laughs> and it's fine to do that and you will find some interesting stuff if you do because yeah unlike unlike the sequels particularly oblivion a lot of it was like hand designed it wasn't procedurally designed so you would find like people who are in the know know just where to go to just find all sorts of really interesting items and artifacts and all sorts of you know game breaking ways to Mm -hmm. just play it or manipulate it or do whatever they want and it, it lets you do that. You're free to just go and do that. You never have to interact with the main quest or any of the factions. But again, at departure from the games that followed it, the main quest is absolutely the best one in the entire game. So you're crazy for not doing it. <laughs> uh, tell me a bit about the, the main story. Because like I said, I haven't been able to spend as, like tons of time with, with it. So I'm not really sure what it what its deal or like what its story is. I remember mushroom houses and swamps. Oh yeah. You start in the swamp. Um, the, the port city is, uh, and it's in a swamp, but there are other regions, a lot of, you know, volcanic ashlands, but there are some very fertile areas in the North and such. But, uh, yeah. So the plot basically dumps you in there and gives you very little to go off. The backstory is, like all Elder Scrolls games, you're a prisoner and for unspecified crimes, and apparently you are you have dreams of some kind of prophecy, and yet your orders are simply, here is a tiny little bit of gold and basic stuff. Your orders from the Emperor are to go to the city of Balmora, it's like two cities over, and meet this one guy, and he will help you out. He will tell you where to go next. And so if you go, you meet this guy called Caius Cursades, and it turns out he is an undercover uh, operative of the Blades, the uh, Emperor's spies, basically. And so he he reads the instructions and such you get, and it's like, all right, cool. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to teach you to become basic adventurer. I need you to go out, find a job, go to one of these other guilds in the town, figure stuff out and then when you're ready we'll get started and then your main (laughs) quest will then have you start investigating uh various cults various uh rumors and prophecies and such as well as uh things like the dwarven ruins and so on all with the sense of basically both informing caius cosades and also you 
of the full extent of the history of Morrowind, of the you know, ancient races mm-hmm. and such there, and particularly of a person called Lord Indril Nerevar, who was previously the leader of the Dark Elves, Dunmer, and you are probably a candidate to be his reincarnation. And that's what the prophecy entails. Interesting. Well, that sounds a nice light little uh, light little story. You know, no implications or deep lore drops at all, it sounds like. Mm, they do come. They, they follow <laughs> from that moment. But it, it is a very slow burn. But then you find out more about, you know, Nerevar and yeah. the history and all of that. And it builds up and... So much of it has you learning more about Morrowind as well, not just the the parts of the Empire or the big ruling houses, but mm-hmm. the Ashlander tribes, the indigenous people. You, you have to basically go learn from them, find all the different qualities and qualifications for all the prophecies and why other people have not become, you know, the Nerevarine, the, the, the reincarnation before and figure out what you need to do, and if you even are, which is still left ambiguous to the very end. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's it just ends up being a really fascinating journey through a really fascinating land. So, yeah, it, and it's just it's fantastically written. It's very well realized, and there's no other place, even in just the, the very bizarre and different uh, Elder Scrolls setting, which... The later games have kind of been losing touch with a bit. Yeah. But Morrowind really struck the good balance of just being something completely unique to itself and really embracing the just bizarre nature of it, honestly. The fantasy aspect of a fantasy world. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's... I miss... Well, I don't, don't want to say I miss, but I... And I talked about this on the um, the Skyrim episode. It's like I miss kind of the more complex nature of and more complex mechanics, I should say, of Oblivion. Like Oblivion was my big foray into the Elder Scrolls series. And then I went back and I was able to dabble a bit in Morrowind. But I love. The the freedom that. Morrowind offered that Oblivion took some away and then Skyrim took even more away kind of the intricacies I should say not freedom so much but you struck the nail on the head kind of the fantastical nature uh, of Morrowind especially and it could be the region and truth be told I haven't played the Morrowind expansion of um, Elder Scrolls Online but I remember the box art. I remember seeing the gameplay trailers and stuff for Morrowind and seeing it looked like an alien world. It looked like this fantastical alien world, the giant mushrooms, the kind of green tinge to things, the interesting creatures and characters where um, like Skyrim had a lot of the uh, fantastical kind of fantasy, high fantasy architecture, like the giant build stone buildings and cities and things like that. And Skyrim it was very Nordic and while there were dragons and uh, the ruins and things, it definitely felt it. It feels to me that it has gotten away from the more fantastical elements, at least off the top of my head. I'm sure there's very fantastical elements in uh, Skyrim as well. I agree for sure. Yeah. But um, 
I'm trying to did Morrowind have like I know it had like lock picking, but did it have like a lock picking quote unquote mini game that like Skyrim or Oblivion it had, or was it all stat based? I don't remember. It was all stat based. Um, yeah, you you basically just equip it like a weapon, and then you attack the chest, and there'll be a chance to lock pick it depending on your stat. So that that was it. Oh, interesting. Now, were you able to lock pick anything, and it was just like a lower chance, like a far lower chance if you were under leveled in it, or was it? Like, okay, it's just impossible, straight up impossible. I believe uh, once, uh, I believe there are some which it's just like this lock level is too high for you. Mm -hmm. So you can't just pick a lock 100 immediately. But there are always, you know, ways around it. Like there's a, a, I usually, eventually I stop using lock picks at all and just use spells, just alteration magic to open them. Mm -hmm. And you can find scrolls and such that are just like open any lock and use those. So there's, there's other ways of getting around it if you don't want to level that up. But uh, yeah. Yeah. And you brought up a good point. The magic system in this, like this is like, you can really create your own spells in this game in Morrowind, right? Like that was one of the big things. Yeah, it, uh, spell making did uh, still exist in Oblivion, I believe, but it was uh, more so in Morrowind. The idea was very much there's multiple different spell effects you can customize uh, their duration, their you know target area, so on and so forth. As long as you have a spell with that kind of spell effect already known, you can then tailor make one and then mix and match and do all that. And some of them will end up costing, you know, way too much mana for you to even cast or to just have a, you know, a chance to cast of like 2%. Mm-hmm. You can do that. That's fine. But meh. Yeah. So what's your like go-to? Do you have a go-to character class that you default to? Like if you want to like, man, I'm feeling some Morrowind. I want to start back up a new character. Do you have like a preferred, a comfort class, I guess I could should say? Well, it's not so much a class, it's the case of every character in I ever make in Morrowind is going to be using alchemy because through alchemy anything is possible. <laughs> it's just yeah. Mm-hmm. The ability to just make the po- make potions to, you know, buff yourself to insane levels to just regenerate all your health and uh, fatigue and magicka which you know you just need going. And of course, and then just to make a ton of money as well to get you all the best equipment and such you need as well. So mm-hmm. alchemy is always going to be there. But as to what I play beyond that, I like to play magic-based characters. But by default, it's not ideal because uh, it didn't have magic regeneration like Oblivion and Skyrim had. So you had to rely entirely on potions or other means of uh, replenishing it. So mm-hmm. being a pure mage is really not ideal. So you'll probably still have a fallback on a weapon of some <laughs> kind. But I just like to play it. I-, I like to screw around with some of the more intricate systems uh, under the hood. So that magic basically lets me tap into that the best. Now, I'm like you mentioned kind <coughs> of, excuse me, with the alchemy that it can be a bit broken. Uh, what's your feeling on kind of broken mechanics or uh, ways to break a game? Like, do you like it when an RPG has ways to break it or would you prefer it's like, nah, I'm I'm not a fan. Like, what's your view, your stance and view on breaking games like that through a mechanic? Um, 
obviously it's on a case by case basis, but I think generally in Morrowind, I particularly like it, not because it's, it's not just, you know, exploiting any one thing. It's just, here is a massive network of systems that interplay off each other. And by attacking one part directly, you can through that buff all the others Mm -hmm. and therefore just kind of bend this massive system to your will. And a lot of that requires a lot of experimentation and learning and trial and error to figure out exactly what you can do with it and how it works. So in that case, I'm fine with it. It's a bit different if you, you know, like, um, like the destiny, you know, loot cave or whatever that that's just like, eh, whatever that's, less mm-hmm. fun but this is just more like uh, here here we are here are the systems you can play it as it intends straight up there but if you really dig deep you can find some really interesting stuff to mess around with i'm all about that yeah you're optimizing what's there you're not necessarily breaking or taking yeah. advantage of a loophole i guess yeah i could see that see i'm a i love coming up with Com- like broken combination to taking advantage of mechanics or combinations of skills or grinding like i i love that i love finding kind of those things and we've talked when we did uh our kind of deep dive and discussion uh back in the day um on the cold steel four uh endings and what we thought it how how i found the unlimited turn kind of combo to do and finding things like that. I love like taking advantage of the systems, like you said, but I will also admit I took advantage and I thoroughly enjoyed the loot caves in uh, destiny as well. So yeah, there's, there's, there's advantages to either of them, but I feel like if you're going to make a case for this is a good system, it's more the Morrowind kind of, you know, interlocking systems and build craft and figuring it all out that way. So yeah, for sure. And I think if it's an online, like a multiplayer game versus like a single player experience, my view is far, far more yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that's with a different the, thing entirely. Uh, yeah, with the breaking of things. So what was, so you kind of by accident through your friend got into this game. How many times would you say you've played through Morrowind? Or do you have like, I guess, let me rephrase. How many hours do you think you've put into Morrowind? Ah, oh, this was a time well before Steam, so I couldn't. I have I have absolutely no idea. But it's the multiple hundreds. I would often like I would just play a new character in that. Maybe I don't know every every six to twelve months, basically from two thousand and two onwards. Mm-hmm. Um, just every so often, I go. I'm just gonna go play Morrowind again. I'll try some new character and just mess around. And pretty much every time. I would find something new that I hadn't really discovered properly before. And this practice continues. I think my most recent clear was it was either last year or the year before. And that was probably the most thorough I had been because mm-hmm. I, I, I had been away from it for a couple of years at that point. But this time I'm just like, I'm just going to take a look at it with, you know, my newfound grown up eyes. critical eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, I've been in games media for a while. Let's me really analyze the hell out of this. And, well, it wasn't my favorite game at the time of doing that. It was my second favorite game. Now it's my favorite. So Mm -hmm. I found even more stuff to love. And, yeah, 
that, that's yeah there's always something there what there's was your last kind of discovery deeper. you made or what what was it if you remember that tipped it over from that like number two spot to like your favorite game of all time I think it was just really actually diving into the main quest again because I'd done it a couple I'd probably cleared it again I'd always started it pretty much every character will at least dabble in the main quest at least a little bit Uh but I had only ever properly finished it from start to finish once before Uh and this was the second time I did it and I think just looking at it very carefully, reading all the details, finding out, really immersing myself into it more, especially with more of the lore and such of what would follow just from later games and mm-hmm. more more understanding of it. It just really helped just show how well designed this world was, how deeply the world building ran, just how you could tell... Um, what was it? It was there was a quote from in an interview from some of the writers at the time. One of them, uh, I'm I'm gonna forget his name. I think it was Ken Ralston. He said his approach to world building was basically, I want you to be able to figure out what the dog, how the dog lives kind of thing just every, every tier of person the lowest tier every person within there i want you to be able to figure out how they would live what kind of you know and you and you can see that you can tell mm-hmm. just the various economic statuses their personal beliefs and feelings you can find little hidden items and such that uh, of a in a person's house that may indicate they're into more insidious stuff or you know they're anti-slavery which is legal in morrowind and so on and so forth. So it's just that kind of that real attention to detail and just how much you can glean from it if you're willing to like take a good look, if you're just willing to take it all in and see what Morrowind has to offer. There's so much there. And I, I could not help but be blown away the most recent time I went through and just went, wow, this mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts with... Um, with Bethesda, with the whole Microsoft Bethesda purchase, um, because we're talking about such an such an important game to Bethesda's legacy, I think. Um, what are, what what are I guess what ge- genuine generally? Excuse me. What are your thoughts on the um, acquisition? Um, well, I generally don't have a great, uh, great feeling about a lot of corporate acquisitions because it's just, it's billionaires shifting around their money, right? Like, ultimately, I don't think it's going to really hugely impact things at first, mainly because Mm -hmm. Microsoft tends to be fairly hands-off. They'll buy the studio, so make sure they can keep going, and then they're just like, cool, you do your thing. You go make some cool games now for us, okay? Okay. And generally that works out pretty well. And the and they're, they're not as, you know, they're not as uh, kill-happy with companies as like EA or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I think generally speaking, it's not going to mean a huge deal at first, because Bethesda's just going to take that and it's like, cool, we're not in any kind of danger of going under. We have the backing we need. We have the resources we need. We can make the game. And mm-hmm. ultimately still, it's still going to be largely on Bethesda. It's not going to be, you know, um, 
it's not going to be the Xbox devs coming in from on high and saying, yeah, but it has to have this, that, and the other thing. It's still going to be Bethesda. Mm-hmm. And, well, I don't have the greatest impression of Bethesda these days anyway. So, you know, <laughs> it, it's funny to, to, as an aside, just to imagine that Starfield is supposed to come out this year, the year in which Elden Ring just came out. And I'm yeah. just... I'm just bracing for how much of a regression that's going to be as far as open worlds go. So all the best to Bethesda. I hope they pull it off, but uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, that's going to be interesting. I hadn't thought of that, but so I feel like in so many years, um, like whenever one of these big RPGs come out with the exception, I guess of fallout 76, there's been so much, hype and holy crap and easily game of the year and this and that but it's like in a year of with elden ring which has done like i legit can't remember the last time a game i i've seen a game get so many tens i guess it was probably best of the wild but even then i don't feel like i saw as many tens going around but like i i am hard pressed to imagine a game that beats elden ring for like game of the year this year. I know it's still early. Yeah. It's still the first quarter. It's only March, the first day of March, but it's really hard to see even, especially with all the problems Bethesda's open world, like large open world games always have at launch, how they could top Elden Ring at this point. Yeah. Like for fear of turning this into the Elden Ring podcast, I'm just, I'm playing that game and I'm sitting there going, I feel like I'm playing history. I genuinely feel like we're going to be talking about this in, you know, the, the, how high up the greatest games pedestal is this? Not if, how high. Yeah. And, and it's just like, so Starfield is going to be launching into that, that memory, that ecosystem. And I don't know if it has the chops because, Mm -hmm. All their previous games, generally when they came out, they were they were in fields of their own, right? Because Morrowind yeah. 2002, the only thing really com- comparable of it in terms of scope, open world RPG, was uh, Gothic, because it mm-hmm. uh, released in between Gothic 1 and 2. And those were comparatively niche, especially outside of you know, Europe and Germany. And I don't know if you've ever played the original Gothic, but it has the worst control scheme I think I've <laughs> ever played in a game ever. And oh, so yeah, I remember dab- really I've, have- I've dabbled in Gothic because I think I picked it yeah. up on Steam once because it was like a dollar fifty or something. It's like one of those insane Steam sales, you know. Um, and yeah. I dabbled in it. It's like oh, oh, this is this is a little rough. But I was always yeah, more of a I, console player, especially growing up. Yeah, so for sure. And I think that's also another thing that uh, the Bethesda games had going for them is their console releases. Like Morrowind on an Xbox is itself kind of nuts, given how the scope of that game is. Mm-hmm. But then Oblivion was basically designed to be a 360 launch title or near enough to. And there's always been that kind of push to kind of get them out to mm-hmm. the big open market and get the console players in that. And so every time they've released, they've kind of had a window where they haven't had anything quite of that scale. That was the big open world RPG is what they did. And then Skyrim was, well, that was 11 years ago. And sure, we've had Fallout 3, 4, and 76 in that time, but all of those kind of met with like increasingly negative 
feelings. Not that they're yeah. bad games generally, but there's a lot more problems and a lot of issues that are basically the, 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 some of which date all the way back to Morrowind that haven't really been addressed in terms of design and such. Well, and so, so many like, of those games are still using the engine that Morrowind used, right? Literally, there are legacy bugs from Morrowind in Fallout 76. That's how far back yeah. to, how far back it goes. You can plug in uh, Morrowind plugins into Fallout 76 and it will boot. It's nuts. The, the Morrowind legacy lives on. Keep the gifts True. that keep on giving. And I think they said that uh, Starfield also uses it. Yeah, they they always say it's some kind of new engine. No, it's not. It's a hodgepodge build of whatever yeah. Gambrio creation engine it is, which, you know, fine, okay, but I don't know if that's going to really make the cut. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in the intervening years since the Bethesda RPG there's been people have taken that and have built on the concept like Dragon Age Inquisition and Witcher 3 uh, particularly kind of felt like they did the open world RPG, if not better, then certainly learned some lessons and took some you know, different directions, which mm-hmm. I feel suited them better. And then Elden Ring has taken all of that and all of you know the lessons from Breath of the Wild and all the Dark Souls games, and it's freaky immaculate. So, uh, I, yeah, it's going to be hard to top. And uh, I'm curious to see how Starfield goes or then eventually how Elder Scrolls 6 goes. But despite all this negativity, I can still look back at Morrowind and go, damn, that holds up. Yeah. How, how, I don't know if you keep track of it or interact with it much uh, at this, like these days, but how is the Morrowind community? Like, is it still fairly bustling? Are there still mods being developed for it or has it pretty much subsided? At this point, uh, I think it's still going. Um, I don't keep too much track of it these days. I'm not hugely part of mm-hmm. the fandom and such, but there are still people talking about it. There are still, you know, <laughs> memes and such being made about like Degothur's speech and such. There's, um, I'm fairly sure the Tamriel Rebuilt project is still ongoing, which is just a massive uh, scope Morrowind mod, which just aims to build the rest of Tamriel in that engine and build and expand on that. And I know that there are uh, playable modules and builds of that for, they have been around for years, but I'm fairly certain they're getting, I don't know how complete they will be or if they ever will be truly complete, but the projects are ongoing and there's, there's still a lot of love there because honestly, there's still people. And this is true as well of uh, even going back to Elder Scrolls to Daggerfall. There are people who find their particular game and then the later entries don't really service what they're looking for. Don't service their desire. Mm-hmm. There are people who played Morrowind who were fans of Daggerfall who didn't care for Morrowind as much because it didn't, it wasn't like Daggerfall is a lot more, a lot more procedurally generated, like to the, to an absolutely insane scope. And people enjoy that. People are able to just find their fun in this kind of, you know, endless randomized world and there's still people who play it there's a unity build of it that runs pretty well honestly um, but um and the same is true again of morrowind and of oblivion and people still playing skyrim so yeah, yeah. it's uh it's not hard to imagine that there's still the few the proud but i find um i feel like those who like morrowind 
which is better than everyone. No, uh, I mean, (laughs) it just seems to be it. The real deep discussions about Elder Scrolls as a series, it tends to be the Morrowind that comes up and is held to the highest standard, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I know, wasn't it? I think it's a Skyrim mod that's being made that like recreates all of Morrowind and Skyrim's, I think. Uh, there was there was also one for Oblivion. Oh, well, or maybe Oblivion. it's Oblivion then. Oh, and there's there, but there's also Skywind. So yes, there's literally been one to just remake Morrowind in whatever engine is current at any given point. And hey, more power to them. Yeah. Uh, bless the modding community, it, and that's one thing, um, especially with the Bethesda games, just how vast the modding scene is for all these games on PC. Like the things yeah. folks have added or tweaked, new mechanics, new weapons, new this or that, new regions. It's so incredibly impressive to see. Um some of my favorite games mm-hmm. ever made are actually just total conversion mods. Oh, there's yeah. just there there's one uh so and in fact, this goes all the way back to Morrowind as well. So it's pertinent. There is a uh, a modding group called Sure AI, and they're a German group. And uh, they have basically, it started as like one, one guy or just a couple of people uh, making mods for Morrowind. And they would basically be in this shared setting world called Vin. And it would basically, and it continued on. Uh, each, much like uh, how Elder Scrolls is like, you know, Morrowind, Oblivion, or whatever, different yeah. regions of the greater world. Well, he started doing that for uh, different regions uh, of his world, of Vin. And so there's two in Morrowind, and then one in Oblivion, and one in Skyrim. And from the Oblivion one onwards, those are wholly new, full scale, full size games of their own just using that engine and often building up on the systems and adding things like uh, better crafting, more stats, different ways in which it's handled. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Um, And in fact, they're so big, they have standalone releases on steam free to play. So uh, the oblivion one is the one I strongly recommend. Uh, That's called Nerum at fate's edge. And it is brilliant. It is just the ultimate kind of mod project, passion project. You can feel how much this meant to the guy making it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's one for Skyrim, which I have also, I wrote about it for Jewelshockers at one point called Enderol, uh, the Forgotten Stories, I think this is the expansion. And that is, um, that is also really good, but... If you have played Nerum, it's less good. It doesn't. It, it almost feels like a departure, like a different rider kind of thing, and it goes off in its own direction. So, I still recommend it, but I wish it had been a sequel to Nerum. Is I guess the best way to put it. So yeah, good to know. Good so, yeah, to know. bless the modders. They <laughs> take it. Elder Scrolls is basically the ultimate framework from which to build a better game on. Yeah. What uh, one of the things in. Uh that someone sent in was talking about the music that this, the music in this game is so memorable and uh, mm-hmm. fantastic. Oh, is, did that resonate with you as well? 
Uh, I'll put it this way. A friend of mine brought some really good speakers because he wanted to test, or rather he wanted me to experience what really good speakers were because uh, he's a music techie guy person mm-hmm. thing. And, um, and so what did we test it on? We tested it by opening up Morrowind and blasting the main theme. <laughs> So yeah, the music is pretty you good. Can play, you can play an air of our rising and I will stop and I will listen and I will probably tear up. Yeah. Yeah. The music's great. It's um, one of the many, many, many uh, done by Jeremy soul at that point. Mm-hmm. And he certainly refined his craft and built it up to be bigger and better and uh, more iconic for later entries, particularly Skyrim. Um, but there's something about the Morrowind music that is just, it really just kind of feels right for that world. It's just got the perfect kind of ambience and vibe for it. So yeah, it's great. The music is fantastic. I wonder if they ever did like an LP of this, of the uh, soundtrack or not. Granted, I think, I feel like this is the whole having vinyl records of game soundtrack is very much a more, uh, became much more of a thing in the past four or so years than it was way back when. But I'm curious if they ever went back and did that. Like I am eight bit or anything. I'd be curious to know. I don't know if anything has been done off the top of my head, but uh, I know for a fact, a lot of it gets like a, for you've mentioned it briefly, but Elder Scrolls Online had their Morrowind thing, mm-hmm. their Morrowind expansion. And a lot of the music there got revisited and touched up often by Jeremy soul, at least had some hand in it, I believe. And um, even the mod communities, like Skywind and such, had a really good rendition of Nerevar Rising as well for one of their trailers. So it's okay. it's a pretty big deal. So, yeah. I think hopefully a matter of time. I feel like all those games really deserve a a, a, a um, vinyl version because they are such good I soundtracks. So, yeah. um, I'd buy it. Hell, oh, yeah. easy. Nice collection. Yeah, be, that'd be killer. Um, and I guess my final question to you, Chris, is what would you like to see now that Microsoft owns Bethesda? And I think they've said that they want to revisit their catalog or something. What would you would you like a remaster in the vein of like high resolution textures and maybe updated controls or something so it flows better? Or would you like like a Final Fantasy seven remake? Uh. not quality but um expansive like full-on remake like what would you like to see if they did a uh did something with morrowind um surprisingly no uh to further elaborate i don't think it needs it right like some of these games like some of the games that get remade and remastered they either they've aged or they're dated or they're a bit awkward in Mm -hmm. some ways and it really helps to bring them, you know, up further. But I feel like Morrowind has the right sweet spot of design controls, gameplay systems, looks that there's only really like, if I were to ideally mod it, there, there are big graphical overhauls already for Mm -hmm. mods and everything now. But when I play it, there are only like three things I do. I change the way HP scaling is done. I add very, very, very minor Magicka regen, and I increase the draw distance to remove some of the fog. That's it. I think it's fine as it is now. You do those three things, that's all you need. And that's all I'd recommend 
for if anyone's going to go experience that for the first time ever. Yeah, uh, get like um, get something that increases the draw distance. Uh, that's all you need. Really, it it does a great job with its looks, with its mm-hmm. setting, with its colors, tone, palette, everything. Even making it again in a new engine, I feel something is going to be lost. I feel like it would be really hard to capture just the right vibe of it. And, I mean, again, there's a reason it has persisted for two decades now in my mind. It it stands the test of time. I think it's fine, as it is. That's really it. Good to know. I when uh, after talking with you, I was like, okay, once I if I need a break from Elden Ring or something, I will install Morrowind and I will do those and I will I will put some good hours into it and finally dive deep into it. Um, Because, yeah, it's just. I let's see, I want to open up my Steam, my Steam account and see just how how many hours it says I've spent in. Uh, Morrowind so far. I have played 103 minutes of Morrowind. That's my experience. Okay. Because I have 136 hours, <laughs> and that's just in the Steam version. I have two physical copies that I bought uh, before I ever had Steam, long before. So, yeah. <laughs> and uh, currently, the install file is not even Morrowind. It's one of those mods I mentioned <laughs> from Shure AI. So it's a total overhaul at the moment. So, awesome. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so after I do that, I will, I will talk. We'll, I will keep you abreast of my, uh, my playthrough. But I'll have, to, I'll have to download and install it at least after this. Uh, I think it's only like a gigabyte and change. Oh, yeah. So it's I'm, it's I'm not, not a big deal. I'm not worried at all. Um, I'm what I'm going to be curious to see is after like a year from now, I'm going to see, I'm going to be curious to see if Elden Ring usurps uh, Morrowind from your number one spot. That's a big ask. It's a real big ask, but we'll see. We'll see. You never know. Most years I would just laugh at that. This is the only time I'd actually pause and go, could happen. We'll see. (laughs) Well, we aren't the only people that ab or well, Chris isn't the only person that absolutely loves this game, and I'm excited about it. Uh, so we are going to go around the web. First up, we have user Itasira from Reddit. They say the super open magic system and the flying. Oh, the flying! How I miss flying around. Also, the music. To this day, it triggers such a swell of nostalgia in me when I listen to it. I can start hearing it in my head just thinking about it. Yeah, you, I've watched the speedrun of this game, and they make a flight spell, and it's pretty crazy. It's pretty fun to watch, I have to say. Yeah, I think they got it down to like three and a half minutes last time I checked, mm-hmm. and it's probably faster than that now. It's yeah. it's not. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, and... Like you said, the music triggered a swell of nostalgia. You want to take the next one? Uh, sure. User forgot to Reddit from Reddit says, When I first wandered into a Daedric ruin, and some dude was sitting at the bottom of a pit with almost a full set of ebony armor and an axe, it was the best gear I had ever come across. 
I was underleveled to take him, really, but after a dozen or so reloads and basically using every potion I had, I killed him. It was so badass. Nice. I'm just curious why you went down into the pit. Like, couldn't you just, like, kill him from outside the pit? But I don't know. I don't know the situation. But that's pretty cool. Always love finding, like, finding a way to tackle or take down the the super tough enemy uh, and get some sick-ass gear from it. Yeah, rewarded for taking on the challenge in just such a way. Oh, 100%. Next up, we have user Jack Therer from Reddit. They say the sword of white woe, the fork of horror, horror the worn weathered note, the cursed naked Nords, the talking mud crab, Elton Brand, being an abolitionist and murdering slavers, taking offerings from the Daedric Shrine altars and getting jumped by Dramora, the Dwemer airship, being woken up by Dark Brotherhood assassins and scribs, vampire nightmares, Sixth House Nightmares, Severing the Threads of Prophecy, Destroying the Weave of Fate, and Persisting in the Doomed World I Created. I understand everything they're saying, <laughs> and I'm grinning about most of it. Yeah, that's a, it's a whole lot of things I don't know the reference of, but it's, it's a long list of things they love, so that's always a good sign in the game. And if you know sure. what they're talking about and are smiling, then I can only assume it is wonderful, wonderful stuff. So, want to take the next one? Sure. User King Silverman from Reddit says, meeting Dagoth uh, for the first time, the conversation. I, I can agree, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> <clears throat> meeting Vivek. Stepping off the Silt Strider in Balmora, killing the glass armor dealer in Ghostgate for a set right away. First time finding the unique items without online advice, including Savior's Hides, Fists of Randagolf, the Sanguine set, the Mask of Clavica's Vile, etc. You could be in any random cave or ruin and find something new. Screwing with intelligence and alchemy so much that the game breaks. Good fun. <laughs> but the best single memory, creating a fireball spell with a massive radius, shooting it at cities, making everyone attack you, move on to the next town of your parade, repeat. <laughs> that sounds fun. That sounds just like zany fun. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what you do when you're really just seeing how far the spell making system can go. Excellent, excellent. Next up, we have user Bjarnar88 from Reddit. They say, yeah, stepping off the stilt, silt strider in Balmora the first time and that music kicking off. The first real steps in a truly epic adventure gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. That mixture of like of uh, stepping off somewhere, music hitting, and then like just gives me goosebumps. So many games do it so well. Um and yeah, this this game does it as well. So Yeah, especially when you arrive at Balmora and it's so much bigger than Sedanine your starting town was. Mm-hmm. And it becomes it's one of the biggest cities in the game and it becomes your hub for a lot of it because it's very central and there's so many mm-hmm. bases and factions based from it. It just becomes like I could basically navigate it second nature. So definitely I, I can I can picture it in my head, just arriving off there and looking over and going, oh yeah, here we go. (laughs) And take the last one, my friend. All right, last one is from Trafalgar Bear. Being able to place objects down and have them stay where they are. 
I had a small player home downloaded back when I was playing Morrowind. I loved decorating that house for books and soul gems to make it look like a wizard really lived there. It was fun. Yeah, that's uh, that's a thing about the game. Uh, whatever you leave down in uh, buildings and such will just remain. It doesn't reset. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get uh, replaced or anything. I believe it does when it's outside in major cities. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, most people... Again, people in the know, there is a place, a house on the, uh, uh, right near the Thieves Guild in Balmora, where there's basically an orc that you kill on a very early, uh, bounty quest. And then most people just immediately move in and use that place as a dumping ground for all their loot. So nice. the last time I played there, I had like 30 weapons just lining up the ground, all just legendary <laughs> weapons that I had. Oh, wow. That's cool. But thank you to each and every one of you who submitted your favorite memories and moments today. We really appreciate it. Now, if you've never played Morrowind uh, and you're wondering where you can snag yourself a copy, well, we're here to help you out. Digitally, this is available on Steam and on the Xbox Store. It is backwards compatible. And for the digital copies, it'll run you about 15 bucks. Um, It is on sale a lot. Pretty much in any Steam sale, uh, you will find it on sale. Uh, so definitely worth it. Even at $15, definitely, definitely worth it. If you want a physical copy of the Xbox version or the old PC box um, for a used copy, you're looking at between $10 and $40, depending on if it's the base game or the game of the year edition with the expansions, if it's complete, etc. But you'll be looking at between $10 and $40. And for a brand new sealed copy, you're looking at between $40 and $50. Um, but... Yeah, so not not too bad compared to some of the other games we've talked about on this show. Definitely not too bad. And especially with the digital copies, easy peasy to get. And if you were picking up the new Steam Deck, who knows? Maybe you'll be able to play Skyrim on the go. This would be a fucking good game on the Switch. Oh, yeah, yeah. I could see Morrowind on the Switch or on the Steam Deck, actually. I mean, Bethesda, I mean, Microsoft and Nintendo are kind of buddy buddy at times. If they release Elden Ring, or not Elden Ring, excuse me, if they release Morrowind on Switch, that would be baller. Yeah, unfortunately, they'll probably just release Skyrim a second time instead of do that, so whatever. Yeah, probably, but we can hope. We can hope. (laughs) I'll settle for Oblivion. I want to play Shivering Isles on Switch. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be cool. But So let's say you have grabbed yourself a copy and you're a bit lost and you would like some advice. Well, we are here, well, mostly Chris, is here to help you with that. So, Chris, what advice would you give to brand new players to the world of Morrowind? Okay, so the thing that is going to drive off anybody who plays this game, especially those who have played the later Elder Scrolls, is the fact that it is a first-person game, you can swing your sword, and you will not hit. This is because it is still adapting largely off tabletop systems, so it is still rolling for hit chance. So you have to understand that there is a disconnect between your sword, you know, swinging and clearly hitting the enemy. It won't hit. That happens sometimes. But the best way to overcome that and to really get into it is obviously you'll level your skills or whatnot, but fatigue your stamina bar, your green bar that is basically not important in Oblivion and Skyrim is king in Morrowind. Running around and jumping or whatever will deplete that really quick. And if you go into combat while you're tired, you will not hit. All your stuff will be weaker. So pay attention to the green bar. And if you think you're going to get in combat, stop running, stop jumping, 
let it build up, drink a potion, you'll be hitting a hell of a lot more. That is the best advice I can give to anybody trying to get into it until you get a few more levels under your belt. Pay attention to your green bar. Fatigue matters. You will have so much more fun when you're actually hitting things. Promise. Hashtag fatigue matters. I love it. Now, is this game, do you level up skills by using them like in the later games or is it like a stat base you put points in per level up? Uh, it's closest to Oblivion in that um, you use the skills and the skill levels will increase once you reach a certain threshold of your major and minor skills. Having uh, increased 10 times, you can level up, at which point whenever you rest, you will gain a proper character level and can allocate new uh, attribute points. Okay. And min-maxing it can be a little bit tedious because uh, the number of attribute points go up based on the number of skills you leveled up. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you you needed to level like five skills that are associated with strength to therefore get a five-time strength bonus on level up. So min-maxing it can be a bit finicky. Um that is another thing you can potentially mod away, just get a, a system that streamlines, streamlines that. But other than that, yeah, it's just learn by doing. Don't worry about it too much. The game is not supremely hard once you get going, so you don't have to be perfect. There you go. Good advice. Lots of good advice. Sage Chris here, given all the Morrowind tips and tricks. So thank you so much for those, Chris. Now, we're on to one of my favorite. Perhaps one of my favorite parts of each episode. It's the monster or enemy of the week. So, Chris, what monster have you submitted to the uh, this week? I have submitted some of the creatures of the Six House Cult, the Ash Zombie and the Ash Ghoul in particular. So, the Six House Cult, they're the bad guys. They are effectively being controlled by Dagoth, having all these horrible dreams and they become dreamers effectively not even sure if they're fully awake or asleep and during this process they they are experimented on their flesh is changed and misshapen the earliest form you see i believe is the zombie this basically just looks like a regular dark elf but there is a massive hollowed out cavity in their face where their eyes and nose were and it's just the first time I saw that in a dark cave, it freaked me the hell out. And I still can't look at them without going, oh, that's just uncomfortable. They are really creepy looking. Get, yeah, but then it gets worse because that's the early form. The Ash Ghoul, the one, after it starts, after the process really starts, they start growing flesh from that gap. They get a massive friggin' proboscis, a big trunk starts growing out of their face from that and the ultimate forms of it end up basically being these big Cthulhu face looking pricks but like the early transitory stages those are the ones that I always saw and just went oh that's horrible oh that's that's not cool so they've always creeped me out and that's why they're the most memorable monster here close runner up would be the cliff races of course those are pretty pretty freaking creepy uh looking at uh, an image right now of them uh of the ash zombie and the ghoul so very very creepy but for the ash ghoul they come in at level eight they have 90 health and 100 uh magicka they're they have a fatigue bar of 400 their magic skill stat is 60 stealth skill is 20 combat skill is 80 they'll do between 1 and 20 damage to you 
Um, their soul stat is 100. Um, and they like to wield a spiked club and they have a 60% chance to drop ash salts. You can find them in Anab, Subdun, Vemial, Veminal, the Outer Fortress, the Sixth House Bases, Red Mountain Regent, and Missamissi. Sorry if I... Yeah, good luck. Good luck. I can't pronounce half of them either, and I've played it many times. (laughs) Apologies uh, for all those those mispronunciations, but Ash Zombies do not have any magical abilities, making them unique amongst the Ash creatures. So be careful when you find these creepy, faceless Ash elf things. They're creepy. And uh, just be just be aware. But that is going to do it for another episode of RPG University. Thank you so much for joining me, Chris. This was a lot of fun uh, chatting with you and catching up a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to be here at last. I've been harassing you to be on here for <laughs> literal years now, so yeah, I'm glad to be a part of it. It was I know. always well, fun. I promise it won't be years before I have you on again, because we got a lot of Trails games to go through. Um, I'm sure right we we'll, we'll be doing something with Elden Ring. I don't know yet, but maybe that'll be another mega episode. Um, but yes, thank you so much. But where can people find you, Chris? What do you have cooking? Go ahead and uh, plug your stuff. Uh, well, at the moment, I'm a bit of a free agent. I'm not. I used to write for Jewel Shockers. Uh, left that about a year ago. I am on Twitter on as Delphir. That's D E L F E I R. However, I barely use that and only plug a few things on that. So the main thing you, the main place you can find any of my writing, which is mostly just long form reviews, impressions, and random essays of me screaming into the void, uh, you can find that at versus vs the backlog.com. Just one word. The, your, your writing is good, so everyone be sure to check out Chris's stuff. He is a great writer. Thank you. Of course, my friend. Of course. And thank you. To each and every one of you who's listened today, be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast service, as I'd really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at underscore RPG University with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion, or share your own favorite RPGs directly with me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another. Class dismissed. <laughs>